Chelsea and Manchester United. Both of them had club legends in charge. One of them prevaricated for months and maybe years when it came to letting that club legend go, while the other brutally binned theirs. And a few months later, they were European champions and now they're Premier League leaders. Ruthlessness on one side, rot and regrets on the other. I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. to a man who's ruthless when it comes to hunting down the best bets. Mark O'Hare is with me. Mark, we've covered United's managerial search in detail on Saturday's show. Chelsea, the 1.63 favourites to win this game. Does that show the current gap between Chelsea and Manchester United, that Chelsea should be so short for a meeting between the two of them? Yeah, 100%. Um, very, very short for a Chelsea game at home to any oppos- opposition in, in the big six, if you can call it a big six these days. Um, I went over the last four seasons of Chelsea's home games against that standard opposition. The average price is 2.54. The shortest price in that period was around 1.74, 1.7. Uh, and that was against Arsenal in January 2020. And let's face it, Arsenal aren't really big six or kind no. of considering the top four candidates these days anyhow. So, yeah, it's, it's a very short price, um, understandably so too. To give you a comparison, admittedly, these were games were behind closed doors and without supporters, but Chelsea went off as a, a bigger price at home to Everton, Brighton and Leicester in the Premier League under Thomas Tuchel so far this calendar year. So it kind of goes to show what United are offering at the moment. Uh, I know they got that win in Spain and in fairness to them, there was a bit more structure, a bit more idea of a plan, but they were quite pragmatic in their approach in Villarreal. Um, but let's be honest, David De Gea was probably their man of the match. And um, Again. <laughs> yes. And uh, they're going to Stanford Bridge without Maguire and Varane. And so, you know, I think it's three clean sheets in 26 now, uh, five Premier League defeats in seven. It's difficult to make a strong case for them, bar the price being a little bit too big. Personally, I couldn't really back Chelsea at 1.63. If you're going to back them, I think you've got to chuck in some sort of unders angle, which we tend to do under four and a half goals, perhaps, uh, because defensively they have been ridiculously strong. Tuchel's taken charge of 50 games now with Chelsea. They've won 35. They've only conceded 24 goals in that sequence as well. Uh, And this season, I keep banging the drum about this stat because I just find it astonishing, really. But in 17 games across the Premier League and the Champions League, they've conceded three goals that weren't penalties. And that's almost 26 hours worth of football now so a couple of injuries with Kante and Chilwell but they've got such a strong squad so many players who can come in do a job and and take care of those positions I still fancy them to win the game Lukaku and Werner are back fit and available I just think price-wise they're a little bit too short for me here The data doctor Jake Oscarthorpe is wearing a white coat covered in equations and expected goals figures Uh, Jake as Mark says, I mean, we've talked about this Chelsea either under four and a half goals or under three and a half goals. And we know, I know we say it's a cliche, but the reason for that is that it works and it works a lot. It does, yeah. That is the tried and tested formula. We've had a lot of success with it. So perhaps unsurprising, that's exactly where I'm going with this this game. I just think the everything Mark said in terms of you know, the gulf between these two teams is massive, not only on the pitch with the team being structured and organised, but also in the dugout because, you know, Thomas Tuchel, as we spoke about on the Saturday pod, is an absolutely world-class elite coach up there with the very best, not just from setting his team up from the start, but also his in-game tactical tweaks, which is something that Manchester United haven't had for, well, 
two or three years really because Solskjaer wasn't really overly blessed in that department and I don't think Michael Carrick will be either so um, there's a lot going for Chelsea here and, and one thing I would just point out is that you know, a couple of weeks ago, I was saying, I think me and Mark were both agreeing that Chelsea had sort of, they're not really found top gear just yet. Even though they were top of the Premier League, their attack wasn't clicking, the underlying numbers weren't at the elite level we would expect to see. Um, but over the last six games, since the international break in October, they've been sensational, really. I mean, um, just for context, in the first six matches, their attack averaged 1.5 expected goals for per game. In the six matches since, they've averaged 2.5. So they've kicked on a gear in attack. They've I think a couple of players coming back to fitness, particularly the full-backs or the wing-backs playing in an extremely high level, James and Chilwell. Unfortunately, obviously, Chilwell's injured now. Um, but what has been more impressive for me anyway is that while attacking input or attacking output has increased quite considerably, defensively, it's not cost them at all. Usually when you see a team go much more attack-minded and try and create more chances, they leave themselves more exposed at the back. But Chelsea's defensive process is, is maintained that kind of really, really stable um, number across the that the full season. So it's basically the one of the best teams in the Premier League against a team at the moment that are playing like a, a you know eighth, ninth best team in the Premier League. Um, if anything, the, the game if Man United's games against the two other best teams in the league, Liverpool and Manchester City, or anything to go by, then it's going to be a very difficult afternoon for United. And, and like Jason said on the Saturday pod, I mean. The, the, the performance against Villarreal was nothing to write home about. The result was a really good one, um, and it was probably you know somewhat morale boosting. But let, you know, let's not get carried away. They they beat a team who were mid table in La Liga, who sit outside of the top six based on expected points in La Liga, um, and they sort of you know they scraped a couple of one defensive error leading to the goal, and then. Sancho gets on the score sheet so it wasn't anything massively impressive um, and over the course of the Premier League season defensively they've just been an absolute shambles and 1.78 expected goals against per game which actually ranks them as the fourth worst defensive team in the Premier League this season which is you know it, it, to say where they were last season and the fact that they actually were putting up sort of decent numbers third, fourth best in the league to where they've fallen to now is a, it's a huge it's a bit of a catastrophe really and, and it kind of shows you the mismanagement of the club over the summer in terms of potentially the transfer dealings and obviously they gave Oli a new contract didn't they which sort of went well um, but yeah over, overall it's, <laughs> yeah went really well <laughs> really well uh, it's just really hard to see United getting anything from this game and, and one thing what draws me towards the Chelsea to win under three and a half even more is the attacking drop-off from United, which, you know, we speak about the defence quite often, the way in which they concede a load of chances, but the main issue or the main problem I found looking at these numbers is that in a team with such unbelievable individual quality in attack, to, to have averaged only 1.1 expected goals for per game over the last six matches in all competitions against the teams like Villarreal, against your teams like Atalanta uh, in there as well, who aren't brilliant defensively, is, is really concerning and really worrying for the long term and it just sort of typifies everything that's gone wrong with United is they're just floundering at both ends of the pitch there seems to be no style no patterns nothing it's just 11 players onto a field and they look really disjointed and it's going to be the complete opposite to, to Chelsea who are everyone knows their role everyone knows their job there's a system that everyone plays they know why they're playing it. They know what benefits them. They know what, why people laugh at a th back three or turn the nose up at it. They've been defensive. This Chelsea back three is not defensive. I mean, when they attack, they're attacking with six or seven players because the fullbacks are getting high. You've got a midfield runner supporting. So, you know, it's just a complete contrast. And, and just going back to the overall picture, uh, it's a massive, massive role 
for Manchester United board to get in a manager that can do something that Tuchel did because they're in a very similar situation, I think, Manchester United now as to what Chelsea were last season. Similar league position, similar quality of player in the squad um, and similarly, they both had rookie managers who hadn't really got a CV and they were sort of doing all right off a whim um, and managing, you know, good being good people managers. Whereas they brought Tuchel in. Yeah, we know he's got a you know history of upsetting the apple cart somewhat, falling out with a few players here or there. But he's gone into a club that's set up to almost explode. That Chelsea squad was ready to explode with the amount of youth players that they got coming through at the, at the, the same time. Depth in there, left and right. And you could argue it's the same for Manchester United. So if United were to break the bank, for example, get Pochettino in at Christmas time, similar time to what Tuchel came in, it wouldn't be unfeasible to see that he could do something similar to what Tuchel did last season and really kick them on, get them to the last stage of the Champions League. Because as we spoke on the Saturday pod, it literally is. The manager makes such a massive difference in this day and age um, when the, all the players are of a, not a similar level, but there isn't too much between them. They're all exceptionally fit. They're all exceptionally technically gifted. It's the tactical tweaks and systems that, that make yeah. massive, massive impact. So yeah, it, this is chalk and cheese for these two teams really heading into the weekend and, and Chelsea to win under three and a half goals a very controlled home win it's around six to five on the sports book i think that's a, a fantastic bet the professor is in the house football trader and betting expert jason murphy with us once again brilliant section on the saturday show with jason by the way if you haven't listened to it about that managerial search uh, for manchester united but bringing it to the game itself jason uh, what's your take on this one um the match itself i'd, I'd agree with mark as in that chelsea price at 1.64 is just just a little too short um, um, the trader, the the odds compiler would want to back Chelsea for this game, but I think the narrative has driven it just a little bit short. Can't they come off injured during the week? I mean, like he's you know Chelsea have a squad of riches there, but like can't they is someone that it just make me a little bit reluctant. Looks a little short. If that if that's the first game of the season with these squads, I think you know Chelsea are four to five or a little bit bigger for this game. So, um, yeah, it's 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 I won't be having a bet on it. But in terms of the man. You know, Man United manager search. We we talked about it in great detail on the Saturday pod. Um, quick question: Man United managers. How many Man United managers have actually won a league title with Man United? Oh, probably so a handful, five, three. Yeah, yeah, three is the right answer. Which is like for a club of over hundred years of history, over twenty managers. Only three have actually ever won that title. So, I don't know expectations. Uh, like expecting David Moyes, Louis van Gaal, Jose Mourinho, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer to win a league title, is that asking too much? It's it's not about it. Like you could be the best team in the competition, you mightn't win it. Look at Spain in Euro 2020, arguably best team in it, didn't win it. Uh, the Champions League, Man City, I believe, have been the best team in it the last few years, but don't win it. But what you do want is to see the best from a squad, best you know, producing the best football that is capable of the squad and no United manager, I think, has been able to do that bar. You know, Mourinho talks about finishing second, being a trophy. You know, no United manager since Ferguson has got the best out of the squad that they've had and the squad that Ole had, there's definitely a lot more in that. So, look, they have to get the right manager. You know, this match at the weekend, you look, it'll be great if United nick a result, but that's all it'll be because... I think Jake was even being a bit too kind there. That performance against Villarreal cannot, 
emphasise enough how bad United were um, against Villarreal and don't expect it to improve against a better team in Chelsea this weekend. But just at the price, I can't back it. So I'll be watching it without the bet, but probably watching it behind the couch and, and through the fingers as a United fan, to be honest. Now, do you feel that an unfair moment has cost you a winning bet? Then let Dimitar Varbatov know. His name isn't Varbatov, it's Dimitar Berbatov, but we've changed it to include VAR, you see. Uh, let Dimitar Varbatov know, and you could get a refund. So if you think there's been some kind of football injustice that has sunk your bet, uh, then send that bet slip in. Send any examples over the weekend to at Betfair on social media using the hashtag Varbatov, V-A-R-B-A-T-O-V. And the former Spurs and Manchester United striker will make his ruling. Fantastic game in prospect at the Etihad on Sunday as West Ham make the trip to face the champions, Manchester City. Jake, you're taking a look at this one. The hosts, as good as they are, and they played Paris off the park in midweek. Uh, they are 1.33 to take the win. Hammers are a good side. Could they take it closer than the market suggests? Not win it or even draw it, but maybe only lose by one? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that one thing that we need to sort of, you know, factor in is this Manchester City team very, very rarely blow teams away anymore. They're, they're, a, they're a very... Well, in terms machine. of the scoreline, you mean? Oh, yeah, the scoreline. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah, on the actual, across the 90 minutes, they have them running ragged. But yeah, on the scoreline, it is very much a uh, a controlled victory. And I think that that stemmed from two, maybe was it two years ago, two seasons ago when Liverpool won the title and they did that for the entire season. They went 2-0 up, coasted. City were trying to paddle teams 5-6-0 and six nil every week and, and it was leading to them burning out a little bit. And I think that's, trying to shift in, in thought path has made them even more difficult to beat because rather than going for the third and fourth, they're just happy to content to sit back, knock the ball around, draw you on. And if there is an opportunity, then the, then uh, they'll take advantage. So, you know, not to sound like a broken record, but we're going for the podcast staple again in this game. Um, City to win an under 3.5 goals. Five to four is on the sports book. I just think that everything I've seen from Manchester City suggests that this will be a very comfortable home win. Um, it dominant against Everton last weekend and obviously we know West Ham are a better team than Everton but when digging into Manchester City's data it's quite obvious that they bring their best football when they play the best teams and that's shown in the fact that they've been away to Liverpool Chelsea and Manchester United um, kept two clean sheets 1-2 drawn 1 XG process of 1.6 expected goals for 0.8 against so conceding next to nothing against the very best attacking teams um, in in the league. And if we extend that to six games they've played against last season's top eight, where they've won four, drawn one, lost one, their XG process stands at 2.4 expected goals for per game and 0.8 against. So that's including games against Arsenal, Spurs, United, Chelsea, um, Liverpool and Leicester. And, you know, that high calibre of opposition that they've just blown away. So... It's no surprise, or it won't be a surprise, to to know that the best players raise their game for the big occasions. And you know, while West Ham aren't the glamorous name of a Liverpool or Chelsea or a Manchester United, this will be a, a better test for Manchester City than what they faced last week, and probably what they faced in the Manchester derby, to be honest. Because I think West Ham are in a much better place as a team as what Manchester United are. So I think Man, Man City will bring their A game, um, and obviously we're talking about West Ham. They're playing Thursday night away at Austria, which is, you know, it's not ideal 
ahead of a trip to the Etihad, especially when City have had a home game against PSG. Um, it's quite a few players that are expected to be back in attack for City for this game as well. Um, and the performance against Wolves was a strange one for West Ham, just, just in the simple fact that they struggled to create any chances of note whatsoever. And that's only the second game in 12 this season they've actually failed to score. So um, slight problems there, potentially re- rearing the head bit of burnout early on in the season these players they don't get much rest there isn't much squad depth there at West Ham um, and then they're playing against the best defence in the league as well in Manchester City so I'm expecting a controlled home win 5-4 um, to four looks really good and I would be very tempted to even throw City winning under 3.5 and, and Chelsea winning under 3.5 in a, a double as well for Sunday and if you do do something like Chelsea to win an under three and a half or Manchester City to win an under three and a half goals, worth bearing in mind that our fantastic multiples offer is running every day. Bet £20 on multiples or bet builders and receive a £5 free bet to use on multiples or bet builders. T's and C's apply. It's the Claudio Ranieri derby as Leicester face Watford. It's just as well Mark Stinchcombe isn't on the show this week. The Italian uh, led the Foxes to Premier League title glory. Now he's trying to take the Hornets to safety. Mark, Leicester have been deeply unimpressive in the league so far, which is ironic because, of course, Brendan Rodgers has been linked uh, fairly heavily with the Manchester United job. He says that he's happy where he is. But are Leicester happy with him at the moment? No, it seems to be the case. There was a lot of booing going around um, at the end of uh, last weekend's defeat to Chelsea where they were comprehensively outplayed. There seems to be something systematically going wrong right now. Um, I know key players have been injured or missing or lacking full fitness. Look at Wilfred and Didi last week, normally one of their key players. uh, Looked overrun, looked uh, off it pace-wise. There's huge gaps and spaces for Chelsea to exploit in that midfield. Then you've got Johnny Evans, uh, integral really, a centre-back, but he's been hobbling around for a few weeks now. Uh, Siunchu's having an absolute nightmare since the start of the summer, uh, but still kind of continues to be picked. um, and yeah, they just don't seem to be functioning uh, as a unit right now. Uh, I've said it a few times now. I've been quite anti-Leicester so far this season. Uh, I wanted to do a bit of digging really into their campaign so far. Intrigued by basically, you, you can calculate expected points two ways. One in which you can take uh, the closing prices and the odds and basically attribute uh, expected points on a per game basis to either team based on how the market expects the match to play out. You can also do it by expected goals. But if you do it by the odds, um, they're pretty much bang in line in terms of points return to, to where market expectations pre-match have been and that's purely down to having quite a tough schedule eight of their 12 games so far have been against the top half but um if you actually look at expected goals based expected points, paints a much different story. They're four points better off than they probably should be based on actual on-field performances. If you took those four points off their tally, they'd be down towards the bottom three. Uh, and expected points based XG has them back ranked 17th as well. So far, you know, just raw results, four wins from 12. Um, I've got them losing the non-penalty expected goals battle in nine of those games, being outshot on eight occasions, two clean sheets across all competitions in 18, one of which was Millwall in the Cup, the other was Wolves on the opening day when they were you know, definitely the worst team of the two and won the match. Uh, go back further, three clean sheets in 27 Premier League games. Two of those were against relegated clubs. So there's clearly issues, particularly defensively. So uh, I think there's an opportunity here for Watford to, to put on a decent show. Uh, they'll be absolutely buzzing after their performance against Man United last week. Very energetic, very intense, expansive, uh, really exciting football. Uh, and with Watford, it's very, it's very much feast or famine. Uh, quite bizarre, really. But they failed to score in seven of 12 Premier League games since promotion. However, in the other five, 
They scored three goals or more on four occasions. So, you know, you think back to their performance at Goodison Park when they put five goals past Everton. They are clearly capable. Uh, Saar came off as a precaution last week. We heard he's he's supposed to be fit and available and ready to play, and that's key. However, they do lose a bit of bite in midfield. Kuka's still suspended as well. So I said as well last week, I'd never really want to oppose Leicester scoring. They've got so many quality players and forward areas. There's always an opportunity for them to click into gear. But uh, I think that the better avenue into this match would be to support goals. Goals. Uh, between the two, they've managed just one clean sheet all season. Leicester have gone overs in eight to twelve. Further back, it's twenty from twenty-seven in the Premier League. Uh, Watford is just weirdly erratic, as I said, in terms of goal scoring overs in five of twelve only. But those five also went over three and a half goals as well. So um, I'm expecting this to be quite end-to-end, quite exciting, quite entertaining. I'm happy to back uh, over two and a half goals, or both teams to score, or you can marry them up together and get just shy of even money. But uh, if you're on the exchange right now, both teams to score is trading at one point seven four, which I think is a a really nice bet. Jason, it's interesting with Leicester, isn't it? Because all the players that Mark mentioned, he's absolutely right. They've been out injured. Tielemans is out at the moment. They've had Wesley Fofana out for the whole season so far. As a trader, at what point do you start to move things, if that makes sense? So obviously, you know Fofana's out at the start of the season. You know he's an important player. And say you have two or three players who are going to be out long term. Do you change prices immediately as a result of that? Or do you wait to see how the effect is and then you kind of make a judgment after that? Yeah, you're adjusting ratings week to week. So um, at the start of the season, Johnny Evans, actually, you would have accounted for him missing for every game. Uh, Johnny Evans is actually the glue that I think really holds that defence together. And so each week in your ratings, you're adjusting for Evans missing. But the week he comes back, you're hoping that when you have Leicester rated correctly in the market, maybe hasn't realised or hasn't readjusted for Evans coming back in. Um, so you do it over the course of a season. Um, for example, Van Dyke when he got that nasty injury against Everton, the very next game, you're making a massive adjustment because he's come out of it. But you move three or four months down the line, that back line has adjusted to Van Dyke being out. And yes, he's a massive loss, but arguably not the loss he was immediately after he gets injured. So you're continually adjusting it uh, week to week. Um, that Leicester 11, you know, the, the success they've had last couple of seasons, massively driven by Ndidi and Tielemans in the midfield. If they're not in that Leicester team, and Fafana would have been in Brendan Rodgers' best 11 this season too. So that's three big players that you're taking out of it that you have to account for for this match against Watford. Interestingly, the match price two weeks ago for this game had Leicester as short as about 8-15. to Now, I always caution that when you have two teams meeting that have come off contrasting results in the very week previous, to be wary what the market does because you can read too much into the narratives. Leicester got trounced by Chelsea last week. So, yes, Leicester should be perceived worse than what that. But having said that, Chelsea are going to do that to a lot of teams too. So, yeah. you want to be careful you don't over-adjust. Likewise, full plaudits to Watford. But how many plaudits do you give to teams for getting results against Man United? Like, Everton and Villa have got results against United, but they haven't done a whole lot since. So, because of that, you might see an overreaction. So, that 8-15, opening price on Leicester has moved. Has it moved because of the narrative? Has it moved because the market is only starting to realise, oh, we're missing a few players here for Leicester? Or is it moving because Leicester just aren't as good as what they were? Um, I'd always, you know, side with Mark. You know, if, if he's putting up a bet and he's researched it and he's giving you the context on it, 
I, I trust Mark there and I think the market has moved not because of the narrative that I tried to caution against but because I think this is more reflective of where the teams are at uh, due diligence had Ismail Sar noted he came off last week Ranieri said as a precaution him playing is very important this is the Sunday pod there could be things that happen with Leicester in the Europa League that may go for or against the Watford bet more than likely it'll go for it as in more likely that Leicester pick up injuries it's unlikely Leicester do something in the Europa League that makes them a perceived as a better team or better chance of winning this game against Watford. Had to bring it back to United, but the only thing I'll say as a United <laughs> fan is, and I said it to the boys during the week, is thank God Leicester aren't going well because the last thing we need is Brendan Rodgers coming in. Uh, he he won't get you to the level you need to get to. He's a good manager, success in Scotland. If Liverpool had won that league, it was Luis Suarez that won it. It wasn't Brendan Rodgers. So yeah. that's probably the only silver lining in a dark couple of months for Man United at the moment. Ah, interesting stuff. Wheels within wheels. It's all very intriguing. What's going to happen at Old Trafford? Let's go to Liga. Mark, we have two extremes. San Setien have had an awful, awful season against the runaway leaders, Paris, who haven't been great either, quite frankly. Is this going to be one of those games where Paris kind of plod their way through and Mbappe does something with eight minutes to go and they win 2-1 or something like that? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I, I suspect <laughs> so. Um, you know, PSG are understandably short to win this match at Saint-Étienne, um, who are second from bottom. Um, things going on behind the scenes at Saint-Étienne. Claude Puel is still there, but he needed police protection to get home after they drew away at Metz in a bit of a relegation six-pointer a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the fans and the ultras met the team at the airport. Uh, they played pretty dismally in that game and they blocked the coach route home and demanded Puel resign. Uh, the police had to you know, follow him the whole way home to make sure he got home safely and he refused to resign. He's kind of stuck him stuck out there. But they've managed to bur- burgle basically two back-to-back wins to, you know, very unconvincingly so, but managed to at least get themselves back into the picture of survival. And it's actually just one defeat in six now for them, but they're a club in limbo. They're up for sale. The sale's been delayed. Um, that's why Puel it's not been sacked yet really because there's not a huge amount of money behind the scenes now either bit of a shame really for such a big institute of French football to to be in such a mess really but um, yeah and there's also going to be no away fans here and two stands will be empty as well after sort of crowd disturbances led to sanctions being handed out for Saint-Étienne but you know these are the kind of games where I feel PSG are a touch vulnerable I don't expect them to lose I fully expect them to win the match but I think there's, um, you know, they've won 12 or 14 league games. They've got almost all their big guns fit and available as well. But, you know, coming off such an important Champions League game where all their focus will have been on the match at the Etihad to come back to Ligue 1 action in an early start on a Sunday away at Saint-Étienne, there are opportunities for them to potentially slip up slip up in some way or form. Uh, there's a potential that Sergio Ramos comes in for a full debut in defence and you know what Ramos is like after a long layoff, cumbersome at best. Um, so, you know, there's opportunity here for St. Etienne to, to make a bit of a mark. Uh, motivational issues will be kind of yeah, an issue for PSG after the week they've had. So St. Etienne, despite their issues, they've scored in 12 or 14 league games, which is also the same hit rate uh, for PSG, funnily enough, and they're a relegation battler. Uh, both teams have scored as banged in 11 of St. Etienne's 14 
13. They've only managed one clean sheet. So you can actually boost the price on PSG to win the match from 1.3 to 2.6 uh, by adding in both teams scoring, which I think is a really hefty increase considering those figures. Um, if you chuck in sort of PSG's um, weariness after Wednesday, you could say, uh, plus the fact they've actually won despite conceding in nine games already in Ligue 1, that's a 64% return. Uh, I think that 2.6 starts to look quite attractive, really. Domestically, they've kept four shutouts, and in the Champions League, they've conceded in four or five games and away from home this season across all comps, just the two clean sheets as well. So expect them to win the game, but don't be too surprised if St Etienne make a bit of a mark. I think Marie Antoinette had higher approval ratings in France than Claude Puel, but there we go. Uh, finally, uh, some Monday night action in La Liga. Jason, what do you have for us? Yeah, so we're going to go to Osasuna against Elche. Uh, the tip is going to be Osasuna there. It's, it was 1.9 at time of recording there to back on the exchange. Expected to shorten a bit. A um, couple of reasons. First of all, Elche are just awful. <laughs> in terms of exp- <laughs> that's a bit harsh that is uh, no, no they are though aren't they yeah. to be fair in terms of you know, they're better than most football teams but in terms of what they're up against in La Liga they're, they're not not at the mark as such themselves in Cadiz uh, Elche look should have got relegated last year did fantastic to stay up 36 points though was all that kept them up that could have got them relegated in other seasons and unexpected points last season as well they would have been bottom 12 games in, or sorry, I think it's 14 games into La Liga this season. That, that, you know, they're slipped into the relegation zone. They're actually um, 18th in terms of expected points as well. It's only Granada and Getafe are below them in terms of expected points, but they've had managerial changes and other issues there um, themselves. So Elche like, are continuing on a trend from last season. It's got particularly bad the last couple of weeks. They've lost four of their last six games and sacked their manager then at the weekend too. Whereas Osasuna, I'm a lot more optimistic about. Um, we spoke on the Saturday pod about, you know, this point three of a goal that, you know, can manager can improve game to game over the course of a season. If you look at both these teams, Elche and Osasuna, and you look at what the market had them priced up for each of their last six games. So, you know, Osasuna might be favourites to win a game. But they've outperformed their XG on average over those six games by 0.3 of a goal, performing better than what the market is saying. Whereas Elche have underperformed by 0.3 of a goal. So they're underperforming compared to what the market is saying. So that's already an indication that maybe this market price might be a little bit wrong. Also as well, market can look a bit into results and not fully account for them. You might look at Osasuna and think they've lost three their last four and only drew one. They're on an awful run. Those four games... Away to Atletico Madrid, away to Real Madrid, away to Sevilla, and then a home to Sociedad that had been topping the league for most of the season. Yeah, good luck with those. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, so look beyond the results. And plus, El Sadar is is a the numbers don't always show it, but apparently it's meant to be a very strong fourth hole, you know, serious home advantage for them. And the little angle as well, the cherry on top, Chivi Avila, massive injury last season. He was a massive loss for them. He came back in March, got a bit of fitness back. Came back, got fit again this season, scored a couple of goals, but hasn't been involved massively in those last four games. I alluded to, obviously, you know, why waste them, you know, when it's very difficult going away to these places. So, Chimmy Avila to come back into not soon a team that's strong at home against an Elche team that has sacked their manager, the XG trending opposite directions. For me, I just feel of a Monday night, if you're having a bet, that Osasuna price would be, you know, you don't always win, but we think there's value in that 1.9. 
Lovely way to finish things off. That's all we have time for on Football Only Better. Please do remember to always gamble responsibly. We're going to have uh, an extra show, by the way, ahead of all of the midweek action that's coming up in the Premier League and beyond. So make sure you check that out. Lots of other shows to listen to as well. NFL Only Better, Cricket Only Better, uh, Racing Only Better and the Wade In Podcast as well. Check us out on social at Betfair or at Betfair Racing or simply go to betfair.com. From Jake, Jason, Mark and me, it's goodbye for now.